Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It is Friday, August 19th, 5.48 a.m. Central Time as I speak here. December corn futures down three and a half at 612 and a quarter. November soybeans down 14 at 1391 and a quarter. December Chicago wheat up two and three quarters at 751 and three quarters. December Kansas City wheat up three and a half at 818 and three quarters. December spring wheat up five at 869 and three quarters. If you guys are listening on the podcast, appreciate it. Uh, leave me a review on that Apple app if you wouldn't mind. I could use some more reviews there. If you're watching on YouTube, guys, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Hit the like button. Leave me a comment. Let me know what's going on in your neighborhood. If you'd like some additional information from me, go to my website, www.standardgrain.com. Check out my premium subscription service, guys. I send my premium subscribers a ton of information direct from me every single business day. Morning email goes out about 5.30 a.m. Central Time. In that email, you'll see every overnight headline you need to be aware of, charts, graphics, weather info. My daily subscriber-only videos are part of this deal. Uh, next week on Monday, the world-famous Pro Farmer Crop Tour will kick off, and I've had a lot of questions about this. I always do. Joe, does the market rally on the crop tour? Will the market rally on the crop tour? Will we sell off uh, during crop tour week? So what I did was I went back and looked at 10 years' worth of data, crop tour week versus December corn futures. What does the market do during crop tour week? Um, I laid out the data, kind of gave my opinion on the whole situation. If you guys are interested in this sort of content, sign up today. 50 bucks a month, cancel at any time. No other fee, no other obligation. Nobody will try to sell you anything else. Sign up this morning. I will shoot you this video uh, right over. We got some additional rains falling over North Dakota and Minnesota this morning and a little bit over this um, like eastern part of Iowa. There's kind of a smaller band. Um, so these are additional rains because over the last 24 hours, a lot of these same areas have seen some coverage. This is accumulation over the last 24 hours. So eastern North Dakota, a lot of Minnesota, uh, this northern part of northern like two thirds of Iowa. I mean, a good chunk of Iowa caught some rain and it wasn't everywhere. It was spotty. But uh, this system here will kind of work its way into the eastern Corn Belt over the weekend. So over the next seven days, and a lot of this is just going to be here this next weekend, you'll see some rains in Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, places like that. A lot of the plains will be dry. North Dakota, mostly dry. South Dakota dry, Nebraska dry, Kansas dry. And then you've got some heavier stuff uh, that will hit Texas, uh, parts of Oklahoma, places further west, into the Gulf Coast, into the southeast. When you look at the uh, six to 10 day outlook, a lot of places are looking for above normal precipitation potentially, and temperatures really back off below normal temperatures expected in the Southern Plains, closer to normal in the uh, Corn Belt or most of it. If you go out into the extended forecast, like the very last couple days of August, there are some really cool temperatures like low 40s being projected by the GFFs at least. Uh, it's probably wrong and, and too aggressive. I'm not going to say the F word today, but uh, we'll cross that bridge if we get there. If the forecast still looks that way next week, then uh, we can have that conversation, I suppose. Uh, here's the drought monitor from this week. USDA had its weekly uh, drought data out. So U.S. corn and soybean areas experiencing a drought basically flat on the week. Uh, USDA estimates that 28% of U.S. corn areas are experiencing a drought, 24% of soybean areas experiencing a drought. So you've seen drought increase, I mean, substantially over the last two months. Uh, the corn number was 28% this week. It was 19 two months.
months ago. Uh, the soybean number was 24% this week. It was 9% two months ago. So you look a lot of Iowa. It's kind of droughts tricking here. Southern Iowa in particular, this northwest corner, uh, some of central Illinois into Indiana, uh, certainly the southern plains, of course, Texas, Oklahoma, whole bunch of Kansas, Nebraska uh, into South Dakota, and then really the entire like western part of the country, barring the uh, like Pacific Northwest area. There's not as much in you know Washington and, and northern Idaho, places like that. But a lot of drought around, and it's increased a little bit over the last two months, but kind of leveled off in terms of corn and soybean areas here the last couple of weeks. The U.S. and Taiwan have announced formal bilateral trade talks. The first round of talks are slated to begin in early fall. Discussions will include talks on trade facilitation, digital trade, and anti-corruption standards. Um, I think the U.S. or I think uh, whoever is is initiating this, we want we want more microchips, right? I mean, that's the deal. Uh, China is already upset about this, of course. Beijing warned yesterday that it would take necessary action to safeguard its sovereignty. The Chinese view, or the view from Beijing, is that Taiwan has no right to foreign relations and that such relations should essentially be handled by Beijing. So, of course, we go back to, you know, any sort of U.S.-Chinese tension has potentially potentially negative uh, demand implications for U.S. ag products, given China's massive appetite. Um, I don't think we're seeing any evidence of that uh, just yet, but it's something that's possible and something to be aware of. Now, perhaps on that same note, New crop soybean export sales were pretty strong last week. Uh, net new crop sales of 1.3 million metric tons. China was the largest buyer, accounting for about 60% of the total. Mexico also a, fe- a featured buyer. That's a decent seasonal print, although last year we were t- uh, more than 2 million metric tons during the same week for new crop, only 1.3 this week. So it could be better, but it's not bad. Um, U.S. exporters seasonally have, I think as of, as of last week, the fourth best book of new crop soybean sales on record 2020. 2018 and 2014 were better. Uh, Wheat sales notably soft last week. I'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, Corn sales were okay at 750,000 for a new crop. Now, the wheat market uh, posted some fresh multi-month lows yesterday, and I talked about this and showed you guys the chart in uh, yesterday's video. U.S. export sales for the current marketing year were bad last week. Futures in Europe fell sharply yesterday. Russia has a big crop, a record crop, and can offer wheat uh, in the export market at lower prices versus the U.S. You've got more shipments moving out of Ukraine, empty ships arriving at those Ukrainian Black Sea ports for loading. Fund traders have been net sellers as of late. They're estimated to hold a growing net short position. So not a lot of positive news in regard to the wheat market. And it's um, the wheat market's been kind of like independently soft here. You know, corn and soybeans have been more kind of sideways to choppy where the wheat market just fell into some fresh multi-month lows, did a total round trip versus like the invasion trade. You know, market rallied sharply following Russia, Ukraine, and, and is now given back all of that. So really a pretty ugly deal. U.S. jobless claims uh, declined last week. Initial jobless claims for the week, 250,000, 252 the previous week. The expectation was somewhere in the upper 250s, I believe. Uh, Weekly jobless claims have edged slightly higher after bottoming at 166,000 in April. These numbers and kind of the idea of a generally strong labor market, they'll have some impact on Fed decisions in the future regarding interest rates in particular. One analyst said this, unfortunately, what's good for the American world Worker is bad for the Fed's attempt to bring inflation back down to 2%, and this will complicate their job and cause them to raise rates higher and for longer than many people currently expect. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I think that the biggest thing is inflation. Um, 
when it comes to Fed decisions. If we continue to see easing inflation numbers, the Fed probably doesn't have to be as aggressive. Here's a chart of weekly jobless claims. You can file this under charts that COVID ruined, and there's a whole uh, folder of charts that COVID ruined uh, because you had this massive spike up to like 6 million in the spring of 2020. So like when you look at the long-term chart of this, it just looks really messy. If you were to throw COVID out, this would be a lot easier to read. But 250,000 isn't bad. It's just slightly higher than where we were in April. The uh, cattle market finished uh, lower to sharply lower yesterday. Uh, live cattle and feeder cattle down. Cash market's still good, though. Uh, 146 to 150 in the north, 142 in the south. We do have a cattle on feed report after the close today, so be prepared for a little bit of volatility come Monday morning. U.S. dollar is higher again this morning. Uh, the stock market's down. The S&P's down 45. The Dow's down 270. Bonds off almost a full handle. Gold's down 6 bucks. Crude oil down $1.73 at $88.37 in the October WTI contract. Have a great weekend, guys. I will talk to you Monday.